0: I don't want to take up a lot of my time today because I got, got a lot of stuff to, we're, we're in the middle of our series and I haven't got to preach, but twice this year in our series. So, but I do need to make a couple announcements. One is I am so honored because we have, you know, the Bible says give honor where honor's due. I totally understand that churches like this weren't built out of nowhere. We were built churches like this. Were built on greater men than us before us as shoulders. Like the reason why this campus is even here because mom and dad have been pastoring the Victory Church for forty-seven years now, and that's what their vision had built a foundation that we can build on. But we have a special guest and pastor. I don't want to put you on the spot, anyway. Pastor has been pastoring here, uh, pastoring in Tennessee. You said for fifty years, correct? 56 years. What is your name again, Pastor? I'm so ADD. L.H. Uh, Hardwick. L.H. Hardwick, Pastor Hardwick. And they were just coming out. I love it when. Now. When I travel, I go to churches all the time, slip in the back and sit down. I never get identified as a pastor. I don't know why they don't think I look like one. (laughs) But when you came in today, the ushers came to me. There's a pastor here. They were surprised pastors come to this church. (laughs) And they were so honored. And thank you for honoring us by being here today. We know this. This didn't just happen. The years you guys paid the road and the foundations you laid. have made People like me get saved. It's a blessing. Thank you, pastor. We're going to jump into today as quick as we can. But I do got to make this announcement. If you really want this year to be different this year, some things have got to change in your life. Um, And the truth is, those things aren't just going to change by time. This weekend, we have an event coming up called Freedom. It's actually Finding Destiny. And the truth is, all of us were born in a fallen world, and before you were even able to make decisions on your own, people have disappointed you, people have lied to you, people have hurt you, people have broken you, people have put wrong thoughts, wrong ideas, situations, you've learned to respond in different areas, you, you've made vows, and you've done, that. You've, you've done whatever it took to survive. And what happens is a lot of people don't understand that, you know, they get saved spiritually, but they never take the time to allow the Word of God to save. The Bible says there are three salvations. The Bible says, we were saved. So that means when you accepted Jesus, your spirit was instantly saved. It says we are being saved. And that happens by the renewing of your mind. By the way, your mind, your will, and your emotions are in the process of being saved here. Now the thing about it is most people only get so far in life because they keep trying to live what they see that God wants to live. But... They don't take time and allow the Holy Spirit to set them free in the areas and hurts and broken. And this weekend is an event that's going to take place that will start miraculous change in your life. You guys, a lot of you guys know my sister, uh, Crystal, you know, for 18 years was addicted to drugs and meth and, and could not figure out why we all grew up in the same home. We all had, went down wrong roads at times, but it's like we, we all understood how to get back, and we did, but it's like Krista just couldn't. And then it came out that when Krista was just a kid, a member of our um, church years ago molested her when she was just a little kid. Somebody that was supposed to protect her and take care of her in a church broke her. And so she was suffering from that brokenness, even though she was doing everything she could. She went to an event like we're going to have this weekend. I mean, she tried everything. We tried everything. My parents tried everything. It was like we couldn't get her free. She went to a Freedom Encounter weekend, and she was miraculously healed. We did not know that that brokenness was there. But the brokenness was there. But God healed that brokenness. Through. And that's the kind of event we're having this weekend. We're bringing Cheryl Ritchie in from Gulf Shores campus. And she's going to be leading Saturday in a freedom weekend. There's going to be lunch provided. Poe may not know it yet, but me and him are going to be cooking lunch. <laughs> I don't know if they told you yet. But uh, Miss Daisy and Raphael, they're heading out our freedom ministry here at this church. It's such a powerful part of who victory is because it has set people. For, I mean, I'm telling you, I don't, know, I don't know about you, but Paul when he says, that thing I, I don't want to do, I do, and the things that I do want to do, I don't, is, is like he was saved, but he just couldn't get free. Because he, he didn't, he, he was in the process of being saved, but the Bible says this, whom the Son sets free is free indeed. And so you may not know why you've been stuck where you're stuck or stuck how you've been stuck. You need to come to this event. It will be an all-day event. Uh, I'm not sure about all the time. They had the slide up on the, there earlier. But you need to, I need you to sign up today so we know who and what to prepare for. And even if you don't sign up, you can still come anyway. But we would like to know how I many so we can get the things ready for you. But it's going to be a life-changing event. I mean, truly. I, I wasn't a drug addict. It changed my sister so much. That I was so curious, I went to an event about three months later. And while I was there, I did not even know that I was bound in an area. I was already pastoring and had family and kids and all that. But I was there just a couple minutes. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, you're not a tool. Now, that don't mean a whole lot to you. It dropped me to my knees and I couldn't hardly compose myself for the next day. Because what had happened was, when I was a kid, my dad was had a... Um, my dad, yeah, you know, he had the church of about three members, and he had six kids. So he worked a construction job in the day, and he worked one in the evenings to provide for the family and to try to support the church. Church wasn't big when I was a kid. It was, like say, it started with three members, and when Dad chose to be pastor there, it grew three times the size because he had six kids, and we struggle. But then I remember when I was a kid, my dad came in from a construction job. One day. I didn't remember this, but at this event, God, God brought me right back to that moment. And I remember I'd built a fort in the backyard. My dad walked in from the construction job. I was so proud of it. I asked my dad to come out and look at it. And he said, Cricket, you know, they, that's what he called it. He says, if you want to show me something, you're going to have to go with me to set up for prayer meeting. We got prayer meeting in just a little bit. And so I went with him that day and set up chairs for prayer meeting. The enemy lied to me, although that's not what was going on. He used that event at that moment to tell me, the only value I have is if I'm helping somebody do something. I'm a tool. And for years I struggled with finding my existence and doing things for people, earning their favor. And you have no idea how much bondage that put me in. In just a couple seconds when the Holy Spirit spoke in that point. And he didn't just reveal it, he touches it when He does. I was healed. i got to be honest with you. I don't owe nobody nothing except Jesus. And if you don't like me, I can deal with that. (laughs) Because my wife do. I love her. And Jesus loves us both. I'm not being hard, but I'm not a tool anymore. So what I get to do now is make a choice that I want to serve people. I don't do it to get something like I used to. Does that make sense? And that happened in that freedom event. And so this event this weekend is going to be super powerful. Bring you some clean acts because you will have moments that the Lord is going to touch you. But I'm telling you, whom the sun sets free is free indeed, and so it's going to be powerful this weekend. So it's going to be good. All right. So that's going on this weekend. Let me see what else I got. A uh, Spanish service tonight. Y'all ready for that? <laughs> Woohoo, brother George! I'm excited. <laughs> I had brother George preaching that tonight. I'll get to see it on Facebook Live now. Let me ask you this real quick. We're gonna, I want to talk about Facebook Live real quick, and then I'm going to get into today's message. Last week, I got about Tuesday. I got a text from Daniel. He's the Facebook producer or television media producer of the screenshot of last week, the last service that I preached. And by Tuesday, we had seventeen hundred views in that service. So instantly, I started trying to think: What did I preach? What did I preach? And I remember that was the service that I told the story about the little girl that was sitting in our service there in Gulf Shores that Wednesday night. I thought, oh, I told that story, and it went viral, but it wasn't that. What happened was a member in our campus during service that morning took their phone out and didn't just watch the service or keep it to themselves. They shared that service on Facebook. And it went into their contacts and went into their groups. And all of their friends began to ch- jump in. Before we walked out of service, there were 900 viewers watching that service. I'm saying that to say this. We live in a day now that, you, that God uses technology to take the gospel in place you never could. So what I want to ask you is this. When you're sitting in service, and it's a service that you believe God could use to touch your friends and touch your family or touch somebody, get your phone out. It's okay. And share the Facebook Live into your contacts or into your friends. And let's spread this word. It's not about who's preaching. It's about who needs to hear. And so, it. I, I was so blown. I said, you know what? Wow, we've been missing huge opportunities. So, if you will, help us get the word out. I mean, let's do something. Let's reach some people. Those people that you might be too nervous to invite to church, just share your Facebook page with them during the service while it's live. And they'll get to see what we're doing. And they can decide whether or not they want to be a part of it. Amen? All right, that's the last bit of it. Are y'all ready? I'm going to go fast. Man, I got, brought me a flashlight in here today. The um, reason I did is because it's going to start us off on our service. Cool? It... Um we're in the process... I'm preaching a series right now called Legacy. Like I told you, over the next several weeks, I'm gonna, when I preach in between the different speakers we're having, I'm going to be sharing on Legacy. And it don't make a lot of sense at first where we're going, but by the end of this series that I'm in, it will. Legacy simply means you living life beyond who you are. You living living a life that affects even after you're gone. And so I believe that's what God's called us all to do. Now, this right here is a flashlight. <laughs> And, you know, a lot of times people take just these things for granted because they've been around for so long and they don't understand the value of them. When I was growing up, they, you know, these were a lot more used than they are now because now. Used to, you had to purposely get a flashlight. Now, if I asked everybody to pull out their flashlight, every one of you probably have one in your pocket. I, I don't know how we got around the world before cell phones had flashlights on them, but I used my flashlight all the time on my day. But back in the my kid days, and I'm not that old, I'm only 45, we didn't have flashlights on our phone. And so these were more common. So if you're under the age of 30, guys, this is a flashlight. Right? <laughs> <laughs> the, most of you guys think that my kids don 't even know what I, they know what a phone is because but there 's a flashlight. Well, I say that it was designed to be a flashlight All right it was designed for that, and people actually to make this had to take time and actually draw out what it would take on the inside for it to work, and then someone had to actually design it in a way because if you go look at a flashlight store or go to Walmart, look at it, there's all different designs of flashlights, all different shapes, all different... But they're all designed for the same purpose, but they're all designed a lot different in different ways and for different illuminates things like that. But the truth of the matter is just because something designed for something doesn't mean that's what it's going to do. Saying that to say this, this is a flashlight, or that's what it was designed to be. But if I push the button... It's not doing anything. Do you know why? Because a flashlight isn't really a flashlight until you put what's supposed to be in the flashlight in it. As a matter of fact, before I put this in it, it's just plastic, springs, wires, metal, glass. It's not what it was designed to be. I'm drawing about the life real quick. Your life and my life. You know, A lot of people don't understand why life doesn't work for them. It's because they hear that God created them and God created them for a purpose and God created them for a reason and you know they try to go through life trying to make life work for them but I'm here to tell you life will not work just because you were designed for something. As a matter of fact, you have to have in you what you were designed to have in you. No one in here was designed to live on this earth without the presence of God involved in their life. No one in here was designed to live life without God. And see, if you try to go through life without God, you you did, although you were designed greatly for into purpose and principle and you you were designed with great detail and even specifically designed like it says in one Psalms 139, you will not fulfill it without God being on the inside. Now, a lot of times people get God in their life. They get saved, and once they get saved, the power of God comes in them. The Bible says the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you. The problem with it is it still doesn't work. I don't know if you've been there, but in my walk with the Lord at times, that I'd I, gotten saved, I've given my heart to the Lord, but it's like I still couldn't make it work. Because there are although God can be in you, there can be things in you that are keeping the power of God from working in your life. And so like on this specific flashlight, if you go buy this one at Walmart, it's only three dollars. If you go in there and you purchase it. You actually have to take the battery. And you got to find what's blocking the power from the battery to the bulb. And you got to remove it. Now, for you to live a life of legacy it's more than just being saved. You just being saved and you just being designed for something great is not going to happen. Because if you ask Jesus to come into your heart, He come to your heart, and you continue to live the way you want to live. And you keep the junk in you that's always been in you. And you don't allow the Holy Spirit to begin to work that kind of stuff out of you. Then what happens is it will keep the power of God from flowing through you for you be to what God's designed you to be. Now I am going to get in the scripture. quick, I'm just laying out real quick. So you got to remove what's hindering the power of God from working in your life. Now let's see. Now the light can be used. And so, no longer is it just plastic and buttons and rubber and springs and wires and bulbs and glass and different. It's actually now it's a light. To where before it was all these different parts that really couldn't produce what it was designed to do. Because I'm telling you guys, you can try to live this life without the power of God in your life, it will not work. Your life will not work. And you're just delaying the inevitable. If you're here this morning, you're not here by accident. God was working behind the scenes in your life to get you to this point if you haven't gotten the power of God on the inside of you yet. And God will constantly... If you get up and walk out of here today and you don't allow Him or invite Him in, what will happen is you'll walk out of here and God won't give up on you. He'll keep working behind the scenes to get you back to a place in the future for as long as He can, for however long it takes. God will constantly keep trying to make you get to a place He loves us enough to allow circumstances to happen in our life to bring us to a point that we realize we need Him and we can't do it without Him. Aren't you glad you can't do this without Him? I'm so glad. So, I remember when I got the power and I began to understand what my purpose was and my destiny was. Now, today, I'm going to go a little bit in a different way. What I'm talking about today is this. Yeah, you were created for a purpose and a destiny. You've got to have the power of God on the inside of you. you've got to get God you've got to let Jesus in. You've got to let God do His work in you, and you've got to start being willing to remove those things that have been blocking what God, the God wanting to use in, in your life out. And then, boom, right, you can begin to make life work. But I want to talk at a level a little bit deeper than just you and your purpose, because you were created for more than just an individual specific purpose for you. You were created to be a part of something. And the legacy is understanding that this life is not all about you. Legacy is understanding that you're supposed to be a part of something, even scientifically, even secularly in the world. Psychiatrists and doctors have done researches and studies, and they found out that you will be, that when they interviewed people and researched, they found that 97% of the people that are connected or a part of something bigger than them are happier than the 3% on the planet. At all times. People that just choose to live life for themselves and choose to live life about themselves and will choose to live life just for their... want to be a light just to find their way through. What happens is this. You can go through life unhappy even though you have God in you. That's why there's there's sad Christians. There's mean Christians. There's bitter Christians. That's why there are Christians that gossip even more than... I mean, because they've not understood that this ain't all about them. That they were created to be a part of something. So, you say, well, Cricket, what do you mean? You were never meant to live through this life alone. Now, a lot of people, when you understand the way God made things, you understand that you're not supposed to live life alone. Because even in creation, the Bible said this, when He created Adam, in Genesis chapter 2, He said this, He said, He looked at man. And he said, it is not good for man to be alone. Now, most people misquote this Scripture, and they teach this Scripture differently than what the actual Bible says. I want to clear this up just for a second, because it said this. So he made himself a helpmate. How many you guys have heard that before? Made himself a helpmate. Do you know that's not what the Scripture says? That's actually a misquotation. Alright, so if you'll pull up, I want to show it to you real quick. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 18, we'll read in the King James Version. And the King James Version says this. It says, they'll bring it up, it says, and the Lord said, If it, it is not good for man, should be alone. So the, and the Lord said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a help what? Meat. We've been taught most of the time that this means mate. And when that's taught, a lot of times a lot of people think this. A lot of single people think I can't be fulfilled until I get married. I can't be used till I get married. I can't be complete till I get married. I can't. No, it's not about being married. As a matter of fact, Paul said, in, for the work of the ministry, it's better for a man not to marry. But if he's better, he if he's going to burn, get married. God don't have a problem with being married. But you need to understand something. If you're not married in here right now, you still can be completely fulfilled and a part of something without a ring on your finger. I'm so thankful that I got a ring on my finger, but for 30 years, I didn't get married till I was 30. For 30 years, I still had a destiny and a purpose and a calling. But I need, you need to know this. You can't do it alone. You weren't created to do it alone. It says it's not good for you to be alone. Then it King James says, I will make him a help meet for him. In other words, a group, a relationship, connection, appointments, meetings, time together, it's a meet. So I'm here to tell you this. You're not made to do it alone. You're supposed to be a part of something. Now, to have a meet means it has to be one or more persons gathering together. And that's where we get the word meeting. You know what I'm saying? Where people come in together and they actually... So, I'm, what I'm saying is this. If you're, if you're single in here, you, you're not missing out on God using you. You can still be a flashlight, alright? You you're not half a flashlight. But, at the same point, you can't do it alone. So, I want to talk about four areas this morning that you're supposed to, and God's planned on, and God's will for you to be a part of. Is that alright? All right, there are four things, and the four things you need to understand is that you are, that you need these so bad, you need to be a part of these so much that they will keep you, if you're not a part of them, from fulfilling the full purpose of God for your life. Now, can you go through life without them? Absolutely. You just will not fulfill. You say, well, Cricket, how can you be in the will of God and not be in the full will of God? Well, the Bible says in Romans chapter 12, verse 2, it says this. It says, don't be conformed to the patterns of this world, but be you transformed by the renewings of your mind. It says, so that you can do what is the good, the perfect, and the acceptable will of the Lord. See, so there's levels that you get to live. And so, you being a part of something will determine whether or not You fulfill the complete... If you want to do this all on your own, you can. But that's not the will of God for your life. Amen? Let's talk about the four things that you're supposed to be a part of. Because number one, not only do you need them, but they need you. You need to understand the reason why God calls us to be a part of things is because we need you as much as you need us. Me and you, I I was talking to a guy the other day and he was, when he found out I was a pastor, I try to hide that as much as I can because not that I'm ashamed, it's because people change the way they act around me. And so I was was out at a, a job the other day and I'd rather people know that I'm a contractor at times because they will, they'll start talking different or acting. I'd rather know the real them and I'd rather them see the real me. And so that we can actually, you know, get to... Things that, you know what I'm saying So he was sitting there and he found out I was a pastor. And he goes, you know, the well, way we met, he was actually coming to get a free kitten from me. And uh, when he found out I was a pastor, he goes, uh, man, he goes, uh, I, I, I believe in God and I love God. He said, I just don't do the church thing. And I said, oh, I understand, man. I said, I believe you can know God and, and believe in God and serve God and don't do the church thing. I said, I believe you can know God. The thing about it is you don't know His body. In other words, what you're missing out on is maybe not prayer in the morning or Bible reading in the morning. You're missing out on the conversations with me. I'm missing out on the conversations with you. I'm missing out on the days that when I'm having a rough day and it don't feel like my prayers get above heaven. And I'm struggling, I can pick up the phone and call... Part of my church and say, man, I'm struggling today, and they can begin to encourage me on the days that I can't encourage myself. I mean, there's a part of this that I get to play, and there's a part that you get to play. It's a give and take relationship. We need you as much as you need us, but you need us as much as we need you. And there's things that God wants you to be a part of. Number one, God wants you to be a part of the family. Now, in John chapter 1, verse 12, it says this, but as many as you receive him... To them, He gave the right to become children of God. To those who believe in His name. Alright? So, upon salvation, He gave you the right to become a child of God. Now, what I love about this is, He didn't say He instantly made you have to join a church. Or instantly made you be a part of the family. He gave you the right to. Now, let me tell you the power of being a part of a family. Because in a family, in a family unit, that's where we get where we belong. I'm here to tell you this. If everyone in this world turns their back on me today, and everyone doesn't want to ever see me or talk to me again that I know, I know there's one phone number I can pick up and I can call and say, Hey, Dad, everybody hates me. Nobody wants me. And would say, come on cricket, come on over, come to my house. Because you matter here, this is where you belong. I don't know about you, but there's been times the enemy has lied to me and tried to tell me there were places that I did not belong. I'm here to tell you, when you understand that God wants you to be a part of his family, you have a right to belong in the kingdom of God and in the family of God at any point. Now, the thing about having a right to belong there, the reason why someone belongs in a family is because they matter to that family. They matter. When you're a part of the family of God, you matter. The enemy loves to tell people they don't matter. When they get out of bed that, you know, it doesn't matter if they're here, it doesn't matter if they're gone. I watch in the news weekly where kids will decide whether they're on this planet or not, whether they're going to stay on this planet or not because whether well, people at school and things are being so mean and hateful. And so they'll decide, you know, it don't matter and there's got to be And they'll commit suicide or they'll find a way of escape. I want you to know something. When you become a part of the family, you need to understand you matter. You say, how can that be? Cricket? Let me ask you this. How many of you guys got children in here? How would you feel if one ran away? How would you feel if one was gone? It affects the entire family unit. That's the way you are to God. When you choose not to be a part of the family of God. Because you have a right to, the Bible says, but when you choose not to be a part of that, what happens is you, you, you take something from us. i got to be honest with you, i got three little girls. And there's not a price tag I would put on any of them that I would sell for. There's nothing more valuable to me than them. And that's the way God says you are to His family. You have a right to belong here. You have a right to matter here. But also, this is where your worth can be found, in the family of God. Like I say, you know me. I, I like to do business and those kind of things. And almost everything I have is for sale. As a matter of fact, I got a job in Tulsa one time when I was going to Bible college. And while I was there, I uh, took a job at what they called the Port of Katusa. Is where I worked. And on the application there, we made uh, fin tube units, giant radiators the size of this room. And there would be these long tubes that would have all these fin tubes. And we'd bend them and we'd build these huge radiators. And so we'd work all night long. I'd work graveyard shift. I'd go in at 6 and get off at 6 so I could go to Bible college till 12 and then go sleep and then go back to work. And so that's what I was doing. And when I went to do my applications, the weirdest application I ever filled out, first thing it said was, can you swim? And that's weird because there at the Port of Catoosa, there was no water. I thought, this is going to be a weird job. I wanted to know if I could swim and there's no water. There's not a lake, a river. This is all. So I went on fill down. And when I got to the bottom, it had you fill out these, these parts of a um, thing. And they gave me a piece of paper on the back that had a drawing of a body. And you had to sign this contract with this job. And the, it was a drawing of a body. And each part of the body had a different price tag on it. Fingers were worth five, depending on which finger. You know, ears were worth a certain amount, legs were a certain amount. In other words, I got to look at it and thought, Man, what kind of job am I getting that they're letting me know what body member body parts are because they were this was a tough job. They pay very well, but people got hurt on this job. It was a high risk job. And so they let you know up front if you lose a finger, this how much money they're gonna give you and you agreed to it up on the front. Saying so that to say this, I want you to know something. There's not a Part of my daughter's body that has a price tag on it to me. She's not for sale. None of them. And so that's where where do I get my worth? I get my worth being in the family of God. You say, well, what is my worth in the family of God? Jesus said, God said this. All right, I've got this son that's so perfect, and I got this son that's so amazing. Got this son that is everything. Never failed. But I've got you, and I got to give one up. What is your worth? He said, your worth was worth His only begotten Son. You see, when you're not a part of the family of God, when you don't choose your right, people will go through their whole life trying to figure out what their worth is. So they'll try to find their worth in relationships, or they'll try to find their worth in jobs, or in money, or possessions. But see, when you, when you understand you're a part of the family, that's where you are. Even when our dads and our moms, and, the, and through life going through because of their brokenness, they didn't put their worth on you, you are able to find your worth. In the value of the family of God. And not only does the value of being a part of the family bring worth, it also brings future because the Bible says this, that there's an inheritance connected to you being a part of the family. God has an inheritance laid out before you. Now, you you really can't get into this story without thinking about the prodigal son story so could you explain it to me just a bit you know jesus taught in parables and he told him a story so we can understand what the kingdom of god was really like and in luke he said this that we don't for the sake of time we'll not read it but it's in luke and um it's in um the prodigal parable son's luke 15 and what it was it says a certain man had a son two sons the younger came to him and said father i want my inheritance and what I love about it, it, says, if you read it, it says this, and He gave it to them. Have you ever recognized it said them? He gave it to them. He didn't give it to the son that was, now I've got to be honest with you. <laughs> me, if my girls came to me today and said, Dad, give me my inheritance now. You know what I be All right, babies, here you go, right here. Here you go. Hey, what is that? That's the Holy Spirit, baby. It's wind. That's why I'm leaving you because I'm going to spend every dollar before I go. There's not anything No. This dad didn't do that. What this dad did was... He said, alright. Ha- what I have is yours. And he gave it to him. Gave it to both. Not just the one that asked, but he also gave it to the older. And the older got more. But then the younger, the Bible says, in the King James Version, he went out and lived loosely. And the way he lived got him to into a place where he began to realize that maybe I've made a mistake, but the mistake i made is so bad because I'm broken and I have nothing and I've squandered everything and I took what my father had and I've lost what he had and I've used it and abused it and people took advantage of it and they found themselves in a spot where now the Bible says he was hired by a guy to feed pigs in his farm and he found himself doing the very last thing a Jewish boy was ever supposed to do. He was hanging out with pigs, he was feeding pigs, and he was eating what pigs were eating. Jewish boys never would have done that. But what he, the decisions he had made and the mistakes he had done had brought him to such a place. And usually we look at this story from how God will forgive anybody and anything. But what we want you to understand is this. A lot of people never become part of the family of God because they have a right to. It's because they don't understand this process. See, the enemy, because of the mistakes this guy had made and the life that he had lived, he decided that no longer, the Bible says, he began to say, came to himself and he said, that even the servants in my father's house live better than this. I'll go to my father's house and I'll be a servant. See, he would taken himself out of the family of God. A lot of times we think we've made so many mistakes and we've made so many failures and we've lived such bad lives that we don't think that we have a right anymore to be called a child of God. So what we'll do is we'll come into God, we'll come into the kingdom, and instead of understanding that we are a child of God, we'll come into the house and we'll settle with being just a servant. We'll let God use us, and we'll try to let God, but we won't ever let God get to know us because we don't think we deserve it or the shame, and the devil's convinced us that what we've done is so bad that the Father's love can't cover. But you got to understand, from the Father's perspective, He was never mad. He was never angry. He was never disappointed. He just got up every day looking for His Son, not His servant. Looking for His Son to come home. And the Bible says, when He saw His Son along well, not His servant, the Son had done decided, I will settle through life being a servant. You may, The devil may have convinced you this morning, that you can't be a part of what other people are a part of. I'm here to tell you, you're, you have the right to be a part of the family of God. You have the right, no matter what mistakes, what failures, what things you've done. But you've got to understand if I take this light, flashlight, although it's created for a purpose, and I take one part out of it, although the batteries are there, it was designed for a purpose. Just taking one part out keeps it from being all that it could be. I'm here to tell you, when you try to allow when you allow the devil to keep you thinking that you're a servant instead of a son, you miss out on the purpose that God created you to be. And it affects the whole family. I've never I've been lucky, I've never had a family member in my family die. That was close to me. My grandparents have went on to be a Thor, never lost a brother, never lost a sister, never lost a child. But I've walked with a lot of families through it. And the absence of one family member affects the whole family. I'm here to tell you, you're a child, you have the right to be a child of God. And if the enemy's convinced you that you have to settle for being a servant, I know today the Father's waiting to run to you. He will wrap you in a coat. And you say, well, Cricket, my mistakes are too bad. He's got a, a coat of righteousness that will cover all. He's got a ring of identity that will say, no matter what you think you are, no matter what they say you are, this ring tells you who you are. You are a child of God. So you have to understand, you've got to take a place and you've got to part in the family. Number two, not only do you take a part in the family... But there's a part of the body that God wants you to function in. Now, for the sake of time we'll go real fast. It says this in First Corinthians chapter twelve. It says for as the body is for as for as the body is one, so are its members. But all the members of that one body, being many, are one body. So also is Christ. For by one Spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and have all been made to drink into the Spirit. For in the fact that the body is not one member, but many. If the foot should say, Because I am not a hand, I am not of the body, it is therefore not the body. Is it not of the body? And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, am I not of the body? It is, therefore not of the, is it therefore not part of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole were hearing, where would the smelling be? But now God has set members, each one of them, in the body just as He pleased. As if they were all one member, where, where would their body be? Saying that to say this, I know my reading was all over. One, you have a right to be a part of the family. You have to choose to take that right. Number two, you have a, a function to be a part of the body. So you have a right to be part of the family, but God made you specifically with a function. In this flashlight right here, each part of this flashlight has a different function to it. Each function of each part is just as important. I took one part out, the light doesn't function. I put that one part back in, the light will function. You need to understand something. That being a part of the church, being a part of the body, is not a choice. It's your function. See, He gave you the right to be part of the family. With that right to be part of the family, there comes a function to be part of the body. Each one of us are made completely different. Each one of us have a different part to play in what God is doing in His will on this earth. And because He gave me a right to be a child of God, I can take that position. But just because... you ever Anybody ever raised a lazy kid? You ever raised a lazy kid? (laughs) I'm trying my best (laughs) not to raise a lazy kid, all (laughs) Because... What I found out is that although I have a child, and just because these girls are my girls, if I haven't taught them how to work, they can grow up and not function the way they're supposed to function. So I have to give my girls chores around the house all the time to better their future in the future by giving them chores now. So they're a part of the family, and whether or not they do their chores or not, they still get to live in my house. They're still my daughters. I'm still going to feed them. I'm still going to take them to school. I'm still going to clothe them. But now, if they want anything above that... I'm going to be honest with you. It's not because I'm a mean and I'm not taskmaster. I did not have children take the garbage out. I did not have children to load the dishwasher. But because they are my children, I'm giving them functions in my house so that they will learn how to be a part of a greater picture in the future. There will be a day they will have their own house. There will be a day they will have their own families. And they will need to know how to run those houses and those families. And if I don't give them a function in this house, what will happen is they won't learn how to be able to do it When they get into their future. God has made you a part of a body. Most Christians like to be a child of God. But they don't like to be a part of the body. They don't understand that you have a function. You're either a hand, you're a foot, you're an ear, you're an eye. That means that you're supposed to do something in the body of Christ. The body of Christ is the church. And that's why if you're part of the body. And you want to get the most out of what God has for you here. You need to pick up your function in the body of Christ. See now the body of Christ you need to understand something. The church is not God. You need to understand this we need to make this real clear because a lot of people want you to think that the church is God and the pastors are gods and they you know that's not the way it is what it is is it's the the church is what the Bible says is the body of Christ now that's a twofold thing there one it is the dwelling place and number two it's about who's dwelling in it it takes both All right it's not Right, the way Jesus designed this thing was, one, He, he made the church His body. Alright, now just like you. You're here today, but if your body were gone, you would still be somewhere. Does that make sense? Je- God, Jesus designed this thing with well, the church is the body. So it's the container and the containee. All in one. You say, well, I don't need the church. It's just about people. No, the church is not just about people. The church is a group of people that God uses as the container for the containee. And so there's the body of Christ, but Christ is in the body. And so what happens is this. When you understand that you're a part of the container that the God in you wants to flow through, then you understand, I have a function in this house. And so every single person in this church needs to be functioning in some way or some capacity at their function as the body of Christ because you are a part of something. And whether you realize it or not, it doesn't change the fact that you're part. Some people want to separate themselves from the body of Christ. Now let me ask you this. If I took the biggest, strongest arm in this room, which I believe is Pastor Maurice's, if I took it and I chopped it off his body, and I went and laid that arm right over there, and I took Brother Burris and set him over there and gave him a Band-Aid and said, you're going to be alright, Sit him over there, in a week's time, which one will be doing better? In a month's time, which one would be doing better? Maurice will heal... Maurice will go on. Maurice will actually probably begin to get stronger in other areas. But that arm I took off and put over here and separated it from the body, it will begin to dry up, shrivel, and die, decay. And it will eventually, if we left it there long enough, it would no longer exist. So you gotta understand, you were created to be a part of the body. Now every part has a function. And God made you specifically with design to, for you to be able to function as a function. But see, most people can never get fulfilled in this life because they think, alright, I'm a child of God, that's enough. But they separate them, so they're not a part, they're a part. And when you take yourself apart from the body, what happens is you begin to stay, grow weak. You begin to, so there is a function, you say, well, how do I find that function? Well, I'm glad you're asking these questions today, because see, here at the church, we believe that there are steps that we can take. See, the first step for you to take is what we call the next step. Pastor uh, Yvette over there just talked about, uh, I mean, just last week, preached the first step. And that's being a part of the body. Then what he does in next step, part two, he gives you a dispersonality profile, takes you through a, a, a psychological test. You can't fail it, all right? If anybody, I passed it, all right? So you can't fail it. But what it does is it, it helps you find what you're designed to do. And it helps you find what you're good at. It helps you find what you like. and helps you find your place in the body to function. And you say, well, did y'all create this? No, people way smarter than us did. And we just took it from them. And Pastor Yvette's teaching that. And how many weeks are you teaching that part? March 8th, March 8th he's teaching, helping you find your part in the body. You say, well, what am I... Because i got to be honest with you. There are certain parts in this church that I'm not good at. I wasn't created to do. But there are part, there is a part that I would, because, i got to be honest with you, my big toe is not near as handy as my finger at certain jobs. But my finger doesn't help me out when I go to walk. you got to understand, so there is a part. And you've got a part, and when you understand that you are a part of this thing, then number three, got five minutes, we're going to finish it. Alright? Not only are you a part of the family, not only are you supposed to be a part of the body, but you're supposed to be a part of the house. Now, this is the one we'll stop at. And I understand we won't get to the next one. We'll finish it next time. But every single person is a part of the house. Now, the Bible says, you say, what is the house? This is how God laid it out. He said, the kingdom of heaven, well, in First Peter 2, verse 5, it says this. It tells us, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house. Alright? So, you're supposed to be a part of a house. Hey, what does that mean, cricket? Um, you know, let me lay it out for you. In Matthew twenty-five fourteen, Jesus starts off saying like this: "The kingdom of heaven is like a man who goes away on a journey, and he leaves in their care, and leaves in his servants' care, different talents." And I'm going to paraphrase it for you real quick, so we'll get to these points. He says he gave one, one talent, one, two talents, and one, five talents. Now, this talent is a weight of of money. It's, it's actually in this parable. It's a weight. It's not like talent to sing. Because I've got to be honest with you, Lord, if you had to sing to be part of the house, I would be in a mess. So it's not about physical talent. It was about worth, it was about value, it was about a weight of money, a monetary thing. He gave three people these things. All right? And what he did when he gave these three people these things, the Bible says he went away. And when he went away, he came back. When he came back, these were servants in his house. He said, he came to the ones and asked them, what did you do while I was gone? And the one with five talents said, it says he went into the marketplace and he worked the talents. And he the five that he had had, he had made ten. He said, the two that he had had, now the one that had two, he had had two. Then the one that he had, that's what he said, came to him and says, what have you done? And he said, I have went and I know that you're a hard man. I know that you uh, reap in fields that you have not planted in. Said this, said, so what I did was I went and buried it in a field. And here is your talent. The Bible says he t- looked at the one that was in the house that had talent, and l- you need to understand this he worked harder than the rest physically. Because the Bible says the others went into the marketplace. And I don't know what they had to do in the marketplace, but the one that took the shovel into the field would have, I, my, I would have figured they would have broke a bigger sweat. They talked about more physical work being done than the other two. My question is this. How many of us are doing so much work in fields that we were never intended to work so hard in when God's wanting you to just be able to trust your talents that He gave you and use them where He wants you to use them? Right. This is what the Bible says though. It says they went and hid the gold. How much gold is hidden here? How many of us in this house are hiding our value? Hiding our gold? Because this is what he said to that when He said, Depart from me, you wicked and you lazy. But he worked harder than anybody else. You wicked and... And you're lazy. Because he went and put it in a field that it wasn't supposed to be in. He was supposed to use that talent for the purpose of the house. Although they were blessed, they were prospered in the marketplace. But the one that just went into a field, worked hard. I don't know about you, but there's times in my life, I've seemed like I worked so hard I could never get ahead. Because I wasn't working where I was supposed to be working. For the reasons that I was supposed I'm here to tell you this. See, he believed a lie here too. Just like the devil will convince people they're not a child of God, they have to be a servant. Just like people, the devil will convince people that they don't have to function or serve as a purpose in the body. The devil will convince people that, they, that a master reaps in a field that he didn't deposit in. Do you know what that says? That says this. He told him, he says, he did not realize where his gold had come from. See, the one with the one did not even make recognition to who gave him the gold. God never reaps in a field that He doesn't deposit in first. And that one man had a bag of gold. And he said, I know you reap and fill." He said, in other words, he, he, some, for some reason the enemy convinced him what he had was came from him. Although the Bible says God gave it to him. Are you not understanding that everything good in your life has come from the Father? And you say, Well, Cricket, I don't see him deposited anything in me. Everything in you has been deposited by the Father. Every good and perfect gift comes from the Father. And the simple fact that you can even do anything has been given to you by the Father. And the enemy will convince you that God's a hard God, and God that will ask you to do something that you can't possibly do. Or he will ask you to be something that you can't possibly be. But you don't understand. If God's asking you to do it, he's willing to deposit in you what it takes to be able to do it. God gave him a bag of gold so he didn't have to go through life without anything. God gave him a talent so that he could go into the king, go into the marketplace, and then create something for the kingdom of God. But yet, he took that from God. God, you can give me nothing. The devil loves. Well, and not only does the devil do that to people, say, "Well, you don't have anything to offer. You got everything to offer. You, you are what to offer." Then the enemy will try to convince you that you're you're just a one talent guy for years. Still, I still battle that one. I'm a one-talent guy. I grew up in a family that's gifted in a lot of ways. I took six years of guitar lessons. I can't play a lick. Right. I, I, my brother, I, I was born with... with um, um, what they call learning disabilities, you, you know, this I have about a third grade reading, what they call reading and comprehension on a test, but you give me enough time and I can get it. This is it what it is? Because I am ADD, I'm dyslexic, I don't even pronounce that word right, dyslexic, whatever you want to say. I have all these. What they school for years told me I had learning disabilities, but I found out when I take what I would have thought was a a insecurity or something wrong with me, and I realized who actually made me this way, and I put it back in the hands of God, and I. I say, all right, I'm going to use what you've given me. That's why I get to travel the world. I read on a third grade reading level. I've preached to hundreds of thousands of kids for the last 17 years because I read on a third grade reading level. I've seen thousands of kids come to the Lord because I read on third grade reading level. And you say, well, cricket, I didn't know you were that stupid or I wouldn't have came. See, I hide it well. <laughs> no, but, but what I said is, is, the devil tries to convince me constantly that I'm a one-talent guy. What you need to know is this. All it takes is one talent. That devil will come and tell you, look, look what this guy got. God gave him two talents. You can never do what he did. Because he has two. Or you'll say, look at this girl. She's got five talents. You can never, so you might as well not even try. I want you to know something. He's given you something that you can change the world with. And you can take what you do have. And you can decide it's going to be used for that. Now, you say, well, what does God expect from me? At the simplest level, God's called you to be a disciple. At the simple, what is a disciple? All He wants you to do is duplicate yourself. I can tell every single person in here this morning is at least a one-talent guy. Because every single person in here this morning knows somebody that's not in church with them. If you don't want to do anything else for the house of God, there's a responsibility connected to the house. He expected for people to take what they have and double it. And so if you're in this house today and this is your house, God expects you, if you're sitting in one seat, to eventually be effective enough to use what you have to fill two. And then what will happen is, God will use you to take two, and you'll feel for. See, once you understand that God has given you everything you need to do to be a part of the house, and God wants to use you to build, they made you a stone for the building of the house. The reason why you're here, the last thing Jesus said was to go out into all the world and preach the gospel, making disciples, simply duplicate yourself. You say, Lord, Dad, we don't need two of you. I know. But there are people that need what I have on the inside of me. And as long as I take what God has given me on the inside and I hide it and I don't use it, the Bible said it would have been better for him to even went and sit with the banker and figure out how the banker would invest it. If you don't know how to duplicate yourself, you find somebody that knows a little bit more than you. And you sit down with them and say, how did you get your husband in church? How did you get your children in church? How did you affect that guy you work with? Because I'm telling you, you're talking about the most purposeful life you'll ever have. is when you realize what God's invested in you. He's given you the power to duplicate it and invest it in someone else. You will be used by God in a way that will blow your socks off. The fourth one, I'll just say it and then we'll preach on it next time. But the fourth one is that God wants you to be a part, not just building the house. But He wants you to be a part of God's Plan. Your destiny and the legacy that He lays out. We'll get into this one next week. But I want to stop right here and just say this. I don't know. Go ahead, you can play, Justin. I don't know if you're in here today and you didn't realize that you have a right to be a part. Maybe you've not taken that right. Maybe you're here and you've never asked God to become your father. You've never asked Jesus to be your Savior. And you're not a part of the family. I want to pray with you right now. This is what we're going to do. I'm not to keep from putting everybody on the spot, I'm going to ask everybody to bow your head and close your eyes with me. I'm going to ask everybody in the room to pray with me now. And if you, this is you that did not realize that it's a right you have today to become a child of God, you don't got to be a slave, you don't got to be a servant to the world, you don't got to be lost, you don't got to be distant, you can have a relationship with Him. All you got to do is mean this prayer when we pray it. And you will become a child of God, the Bible says. So simply I'm going to ask everybody to pray with me and well. say, Dear Father, I ask You to forgive me for anything that I've ever done that would separate me from You. I believe that Jesus died and paid for my sin, even though I didn't deserve it. I also believe that He didn't stay dead, but Your Spirit raised Him from the dead on the third day. And now, Lord, I take my right that you have given me to be a child of God. And I join the family. I'm no longer a stranger, but I'm a child. In Jesus' name, amen. Now look at me real quick. If you prayed that prayer and you meant it, you knew it was for you, would you simply raise your hand so we'll know who our family members are? Give these guys a big hand clap. You are part of this family. And we wouldn't trade you for the world. (laughs) Not a part of your body's worth anything to me. You're invaluable. God says you're invaluable. I want to, I want to do this. I want to say this. You say, well, Cricket, I didn't realize I'm supposed to be a part of the body. I need to function. Let me throw this at you. If there's a part of your life you're not fulfilled in, get with Pastor Yvette and just take the test. You'll see, God's never going to ask you to do something you don't want to do. Lord, I used to not want to sell out to the Lord because I was afraid if I did, He's going to make me do something I didn't want to do. But you know what happened when I did? I got the best looking wife, the most amazing children. I get to pastor the greatest church in the world. I get to live my life doing the things I love to do. Somebody asked me the other day, don't you get sick of doing it? I said, are you crazy? I was born to do this. See, the very thing that you were created to do, you were born to do. And the reason why you hate so many other things is because you're not doing what you were created to do yet. And there is a process for you to find that. And it's to find your place in the body. And then thirdly, I want to put this before you. If God's going to come back one day and say, what did you do with the talents I put in your life? And you say, well, I hid it because I was afraid. What do you think God's going to say? Let me put this before you. If God really puts something in you, then try to use it this week. Find somebody. You don't got to know the Scripture reference or the right words. You can just simply say, hey, Will you go to church with me next week? Or you can say, Hey, do you know what God did for me this week? Or you can say, Hey, can I pray for you? Use what God's put on the inside of you. And watch. Things will begin to happen outside of you. And God looks for people that He can bless. If you, I, I can tell you this. He said, You know the one that had ten? It's not cool. I used to bo- it used to bother me with this. The one that had five made ten. The one that had two got four. The one that had one... The Bible says that He came and took it and He gave it to the one with ten. That sounds unfair. Because you know who needed it the most? The one with the four. Because that's not fair. That's not even. You need to know something. Favor is not fair. He says if you'll be faithful in the least, He'll just keep adding to you. He will make you ruler over many. If you'll just be faithful with sharing what you have on the inside of you, God will begin to be able to add to the outside of you. I have never seen it fail. So this week, go out and be a part of the house. Take what God has given you. And this is this is a key. He says, and he went the, the one that had five and turned it into ten. Time matters. He said this. If you read it, it says the exact words are He went at once. He went at once. Because what the enemy will do is try to talk you out of it between now and next Sunday. You need to get out of here today. You need to tell somebody what God's doing in your life and how He has a part for you and you are a part of something greater than you and that your life is going to mean something even when you're gone. Amen? Father God, I pray right now that You bless, You keep, You cause Your peace to come upon every house in this house. Lord, I ask You that You cause empowering spirits to come on us this week that You will bless the work of our hands and everything we lay our hands to do will prosper. Lord, I ask You, You give us favor on our jobs this week. You give us favor with our neighbors this week. You give us favor in our relationships this week. I pray that you get our kids acting right. Give them the right spirit so we don't have to beat them in the morning. Lord, I ask you, Lord Jesus, to just take care of what we can't take care of. Go before us. Make every bumpy place straight. Cause every crooked place to become level. You go with us as a rear guard where nothing can come up from our past or behind and hurt us in any way. And Lord, I thank you that you're causing your face to shine upon us and you're giving us peace this week. In the name of Jesus, be blessed and have a great week.